Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Crew. This is the podcast all things nostalgic related. Uh, if you are listening to us again, thanks for listening. If you're listening to us the first time, welcome. Uh, I'm Bill along with Danielle. And we're going to have a fun episode here because uh, the feature that we're going to talk about this month is our favorite movie sequels. Um, And I'll get later into why we are doing this. Um, Plus, we've got a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, Danielle's going to tell us something that she really misses. And we will also have our movie and album selection for this particular episode. Um, I will let you start unless you want me to. Alright, go right ahead. Alright, I'm just going to bring up more because this is a subject that Bill has come to loathe in the past few months. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're always talking about this and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's getting to the point, folks, where I'm just about ready to go to one of these TV state studios. <laughs> well, no, because one of these things is something Bill might actually like to watch. Um, so we'll talk about the positive thing they're reviving. Yeah. They've decided to revive Animaniacs. Yeah. What's wrong with Animaniacs? Oh, Okay, I I guess I have to explain myself. Two reasons. Number one, I hated that show as a kid. Really? Like, the only thing I liked about it was Pinky and the Brain. And I hated Pinky and the Brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this this is how we are, folks. Um, the other reason was, I was more of a Tiny Toons person. I actually was, too. I was a bigger Tiny Toons fan, but I did watch Animania. But, now, um, yeah, when I saw if, that, I just shook my head. And if Steven Spielberg decides to revive Tiny Toons, I am so on board. I will have an, or- I will have an orgasm if that happens. So. I-, I will, just like, yeah. But um, I did love the Animaniacs. I do watch it on Netflix sometimes. Um, I don't care for Pinky and the Brain. I think Brain is actually really irritating. It irritates the living. Okay. I never really, I never liked Pinky and the Brain. I was so ticked off when I got a spinoff. I was like, who the hell cares? Hmm. All right. Um, I don't like the cartoon with um, Buttons and Missy. I always feel so bad for Buttons. Damn dog can't and, do um, his job. <laughs> yeah. So, as a Sloppy the Squirrel, I wasn't a huge fan of either. But I watched Animaniacs mainly for Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Like, all the other things, it was just like, whatever. But Yakko, Wacko, and Dot were, like, my main reason for watching it. And, um, oh, yeah, and um, good idea. Bad idea. That was funny, that was funny actually. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. I gave you that. Actually, no, you know what? Let me, let me, hold on. When they did, yeah. when, sorry to interrupt, when they did uh, Slappy at Woodstock, and they did that whole parody of who's on first, that was actually funny. 
Who's on stage? The Who. No, the name of the band. The Who. Who is on the stage? Yes. But anyway. Okay. So, that I'm okay with. I'm like, okay, fine. I don't mind, you know, Animaniacs, whatever. They're already, the cast was already getting together to re-record the Geography song because Geography locations have changed since the first recording. Oh, God. So, so, I mean, hey, it's like, if they're game, then yeah, go on ahead, do it. All right. Now, the other revival that I wasn't aware of, but I just saw a trailer for, and I got really, really pissed off about <laughs> is because the CW was like, well, you know, we got Riverdale, and although, to be fair, Riverdale fits in on CW because most of their dramas now revolve are really comic book ads. Right. But, um, yeah. So, but Riverdale, they like to, you know, say is, it, it kind of is a, like a nighttime soap opera most. So the geniuses at CW were like, well, you know what? Riverdale's bringing back this, the, you know, the fan base that we had for Gossip Girl. So let's, you know, let's revive another classic. And since we already did 90210 that, you know, ran a couple years and Melrose Place just bombed. What? Dynasty! Exactly. Because, you know, the teens are going to get that show. They're going to totally watch Dynasty. And you know what? If these kids are too old, to, too young to remember the original Dynasty, so we're going to take it with a whole new cast and do the same exact plot. And, you know, they won't even notice. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell um, Danielle is. They you know. should have. And what they really should have done is, if they were going to bring it back, they should have done what Dallas did. Dallas, they were smart. Yeah, they, they were. were. Like, yeah, they just continued it. I, they did an excellent job, I thought. Dallas, I, I like, wonder, because you're, you know, you're, you're talking about Dallas. Yeah. If J.R. Ewing, the actor who played him, yeah. had not died, right. would, that show, would that show have gone at least a little longer? good show even after he died and it lasted a year after he died too it lasted another year after he right. died so it probably would have it, the issue was with the network and then they couldn't find another place to put it so it was kind of annoying and they were trying so hard to pick it up somewhere else and it didn't get picked up and now the guy who stars on it is on this show on E that I just don't care about um, and uh but what's the smart thing they did with Dallas was these are um, Bobby and Jr.'s kids. And, um, you know, Bobby and Jr. are still here and Sue Ellen's still here. Mm-hmm. And, and and we're going to just keep it. It's the old cast with the new cast. Mix it in. Right. And, and they had equal storyline shares. And I think that was the best way they could have done it. They tried to do that in 90210 when it first started, but the cast kind of drifted out after the first season, but uh, but Dynasty, they just revamped it, took the same plot and just revamped it, and it just wasn't and, and like, even people in the comments I was reading the comments, and they're like, if there's no Joan Collins cameo, why tune in? Well, isn't she like a hundred? Joan Collins is in her 80s, but she looks terrific. I mean, God bless her. She looks terrific. She's still, yeah. I mean, 
also, if you ever get a chance, Google um, Alexis Carrington Dynasty on YouTube and just watch some of these clips because there is, like, no way that these people who are starting on the show now can outdo, like, oh, my God, her and um, there were a couple people she would um, catfight with, but, like, not even catfight, but just, like, insult back and forth, and she's mm-hmm. like, dude, she, and, and, like, she's so, it, it, what she's saying is so horrible, but it's just so entertaining to watch, and, of course, people would have, have a hard time with it now, because they're, like, beating the crap out of each other, and they're, right. but, it, yeah, you, you can't duplicate it, you can't, and I don't think that, you know, CW, I mean, if it wasn't for Riverdale, I wouldn't even watch a channel to begin with, but <laughs> I, I just think it's ridiculous that they're going to try to redo that. And um, and then there's all these other movies they're remaking. I've lost track of how many, and it's just like, I whatever. <laughs> well, let, let, let's say, <clears throat> let's say this. Yeah. For those who don't watch the CW, from yeah. September to May, their shows consist of either it being from a comic book or a dramedy. Basically, that's what it is. Yeah, they haven't had a sitcom in I don't know how long. <laughs> so. I, I, I don't even know if they had... Uh, yeah, they haven't had sitcoms in years. I'm trying to remember the last one I saw in there. It's been a long time. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <sighs> well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, to stick with the, the the whole bringing back stuff, I, I watched The Gong Show really? this week. And uh-huh. I have to admit, I really enjoyed it. They stayed true to the original format. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an hour long. So that means we get more acts, which I like. Um, they have Mike Myers as a character as the host. And then they have the celebrities as the judges. And I, I gotta say, I was really impressed. Oh, Mike Myers hosted. Well, he, he it's Mike Myers, but, you know, it's he plays some character, and the name slips my mind, but... Oh, okay, because last I heard, they were getting Will Arnett. I guess he did. Well, well, Will Arnett is one of the executive producers of the show. Oh. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but um, one of the authors I read um, watches it, and um, and she said it was like, because she grew up in the 70s when the original one was on mm-hmm. there, and she said that it, um, it, it kind of brought back memories for her, and she actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it was um, it was real fun yeah. to watch. I I'm gonna watch it again. But I will admit, ABC is doing even though a lot of the people in my game show groups like to turn their nose up at it. But I think that apart from to tell the truth, ABC is doing a great job with their game show revivals. Because yeah. to tell the truth, they just kind of ruined. I don't know what the heck they did with that, but but uh, Pyramid and the Match Game. They're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And um, Fox, I watched their version of Love Connection. They just ruined that show. <laughs> I mean, no, because on the original Love Connection, what it was was you had 
a guy came or a girl that came on, they were prior to the show, they had watched three videos of three dates. Yeah. And then they picked one, went out on the date, come they came to the show and they told about the date. Now, before they came out and talked about the date, the audience voted on which of the three people they thought they should go out with. So, after they finished telling people about the date, they say, okay, here's who the audience picked. And the audience, let's say the audience picked another person. And they say, okay, well, if you'd like to go out with this person, this person that the audience picked, we will pay for you to go out with them. Or if you want... But if you want to go out with the other person, you know, the person that did go out with you like them, um, we won't pay for it, but you can, you know, pick them if you want. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. This version, it's, they go out with all three people before the show. They discuss the date they went on with all three people. And then the audience, and then they say which of the three people they like the best. Then after the audience votes, here's what happens. If the audience picks the same person they pick, them and they win ten thousand dollars, and they get you know they go out a person again. Mm-hmm. If the audience picks a different person, they have to choose between whether they want to go out with the person they want to again or get ten thousand dollars. So. <laughs> You get rejected on national TV for ten grand. Yeah, basically. Well, it's Fox. They have to do that. Um, (laughs) It's actually funny that you mention all these different game shows. Uh um, Because in the newest edition of Entertainment Weekly, which I got in the mail yesterday, and uh, on the cover is the cast of Season 2 of American Crime Story where the season will be focused on Versace. Really? Yeah. Uh, Penelope Cruz is Donatella Versace. Ricky Martin is in this show. I just want to say real quick, if you decide to pick up this copy, there are two real creepy pictures of Ricky Martin. The front cover, the cover of the magazine, where he's uh, one of the sons, and he's laying on... He's laying his head on the lap of the dad. And then after you open the magazine to look into the content, here's this picture, and I'll send you a, 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 a text with the picture of it later, Danielle. Yeah. A picture of Ricky Martin in a, in a white robe and white underwear. So, American Crime Story, this is the show that did the OJ trial last year. Yes. And won all the awards for Yes. Yeah, good luck. So, anyway, um, in this issue, there is a short article by Lynette Rice, but it's a real good article, about the show game boom. Or show game. Game show boom. Uh You folks know what I mean. Um, Right. And one of the reasons... Is why this is coming back, according to one uh, executive who's the head of scheduling at ABC, is because, you know, there's so much bad news in the world. So true. That they're trying to, and this is the exact quote, we're trying to give people something to smile and laugh at. Um, 
this person goes on to say the news and everything else is so heavy this is escapist programming yeah that's exactly what I'm trying to tell people is escapist programming you know people feel like we have to be constantly like bombarded with serious issues and taught lessons like 24 7 and I'm like yes it's good to enforce you know lessons but, but you know there used to be a time when TV was a form of escapism yeah that's what it was like look at the 60s there was the Vietnam War was going on there was civil unrest all kinds oh, of crap oh god yeah and they had like Bewitched and I Dream a Genie and Gilligan's Island did that look like the Vietnam War was going on? No. no. <laughs> because, you know, that's just how it was. But we're so saturated with the news now. Like, we got 24-hour news channels. And, and social and Facebook is turning into, like, people are like, you don't post anything serious on Facebook. You just post cat pictures. I'm like, that's what it's for. And social media doesn't help either. Not at all. Social media has turned into like a news thing, and it I'm is. like, that's not what it is. That's, you know, that that's why, you know, if I post anything on Twitter, it's not going to be news, you know. Yeah. It, I, I, I told people, because there was a really serious news thing that happened, a story. I'm not going to get into what it was, but it was very huge. And I was, like, probably one of the few kids from my high school that wasn't commenting or posting about it. I was like, you know what? If you came here to get that kind of news, get off my page. Mm -hmm. Go. Cause you're not getting it here. Like, you go on, go to CNN, get off here. Bye. Because yeah. you want to hear about romance novels, kittens, TV, and, you know, the 90s? Yeah. That's, you can stay here. That, that's why... With this podcast and other podcasts I do, there isn't any that is about the news going on, like what everyone else talks about. And like, my, I have a friend who's actually doing a similar podcast. She's doing on one on television, and, I, and she had recommended I tune in, and I was like, oh, great. But it's television and the socioeconomic gender roles of what... I was like, oh, okay. So it's like a sociology paper. Right. Like, I just, like with TV and stuff, I just want to talk about, oh, I like this. Oh, I didn't like this. You know, not, mm -hmm. like, you, know, you know, and it's like people nowadays just sort of talk like sociology papers or they're writing a term paper. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't get it. it makes Maybe sense. I'm dumb. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it's that you're dumb or if it's just because it's like most people yeah. I'm not saying all people but most people in this society today are so worried about the yeah. either the smallest or the stupidest stuff and that they make it into this whole big deal yeah. when in reality, it's not. And then there's this group of us, which I know I could speak for Danielle and myself when I say, I'm glad to be a part of this group, where we really don't give a crap. We really don't. No. We... Un unless it affects us. 
we really don't care. I mean, we care, but we don't, you know. Exactly. We don't, see, we don't pour our heart and see, soul into it. I have to, like, it. read a headline, let it absorb, and then close it out. Because if I sit here and I let it, I can't focus, I can't function. Like, okay, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Like, the other day, um, the Johnny Depp comment that he made about yeah. what what was it like if if he would assassinate right. Trump and my right. dad and my dad's like oh did you hear what Johnny Depp said he was going to assassinate Trump and I'm thinking to myself oh gosh yeah you know you got in my mind I'm thinking yeah you got this wrong <clears throat> so yeah i you know it's just like that's why folks um, that's why you read Word for word, you listen to everything before you say something. That's why that that's why I unfriended my aunt Hetty on Facebook earlier this year because I posted something and she read it the wrong way and I was like, "Learn to read next time." Yeah. And yeah. I have not talked to her or friended her back since. Yeah. So well, if I and I don't like to do that, you know. To people, but if I gotta do it, I'll do it. So yeah, that's what I miss. No, <laughs> you know, because that's the thing. I I tell people I'm like the world has always been messed up. It's just that now we have like it's bigger. Video. We have like phone cameras and things that you know see stuff, and people weren't aware of certain things, so now they're freaking out over mm-hmm. stuff that's already been going on, and they don't really know Slaughter had turned heel, and then, like, they made him an Iraqi sympathizer. Yeah. So, that was the only way I knew that there was only a war going on. So The only thing political I knew about in the 90s was Bill Clinton, and that was like... Oh, my. That, that was an interesting time. <laughs> I did not have relations. Yeah. With that woman, Ace Lewinsky. So weird. Like, um, our middle, elementary, middle school principal actually even looked like him, which was even funnier. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, yeah. Oh. All right. All right. Yeah, let's, let's get into more news. We got other stuff to talk about uh, before. That is your editorial rant. Yes, for the month. Yes, it there is. There you go. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, I did not realize this next story we're going to talk about. 
until maybe a week after our last episode. But we're going to bring it up here today. The World Video Game Hall of Fame announced its class of 2017. Um, there were four new inductees. Uh, so let me so let me tell you before I tell you who the inductees are. The final the other finalists that were in consideration this year. Final Fantasy 7, Microsoft Windows Solitaire, Mortal Kombat, Mist, Portal, Resident Evil, Tomb Raider, and Wii Sports. I don't know how Wii Sports got that far, but it's another story. Anyway, here are the four newest inductees into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. And these are in alphabetical order. Donkey Kong, Halo Combat Evolved, Pokemon Red and Green, and Street Fighter 2. Well, I first off, I agree with Donkey Kong. A thousand percent. Donkey mm-hmm. Kong should be... You know, it should be in there. So... Yeah. Um, the other games... I, I honestly... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I'm not a big video game... Like, if you look at my Facebook, all I really talk about is The Sims, but... Which was um, inducted last year. Yeah. But in, like, when it comes to, like, traditional, I played, like, Mario and Donkey Kong, really. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the greatest at them, but... <laughs> well, I mean, not, you know, nobody really is, but... Yeah. My, my sister and my father were the better video gamers out of the mm-hmm. family. I just sort of tried, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, well, first off, I should say, with Donkey Kong, that's probably the more important of the four. Because if Donkey Kong's not a success, who knows if we have Mario? Yeah. If you think about it. And then, you know, maybe like Pac-Man would be another example, and so on and so forth. With Halo, I could understand it going in because it was one of the first Xbox games. And if that didn't sell, maybe there's no 360. Maybe there's no Xbox One. Maybe there's no Xbox One Scorpion, which is coming out in November. So you have that. Pokemon, that's an interesting one. That really is. Because that one, you know, it's like... It, it, it came from Japan. It was big in Japan, then it came to the U.S., and then it became huge in the U.S., and then game over, you know? Uh-huh. And then with Street Fighter, or in this case Street Fighter 2, um... Without that, there's no Mortal Kombat. So, uh-huh. I I could sort of see where 
all of these go in, but I think Donkey Kong is the one that fits the best into this group for this year, anyway. But um, If you would like to nominate a video game for the class of 2018... It's on the front page of the website worldvideogamehalloffame.org and you can nominate any video game that you want as long as it follows the following criteria. Icon status, longevity, geographical reach, and influence. Uh. So, uh, you go on the site, you pick a game, and you tell them why it deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and... There you go. I think Duck Hunt should get in. That would be my choice. Uh -huh. That would be my pick. But... So, congratulations to those four games being the new inductees into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Alright, uh... Danielle, what else do you have on the plate? Hmm. Let's see. Um, hold on a second. Um, well, this is more of a sort of general, but um, as you know, um, fidget spinners have <laughs> been taking the world yes. by storm. Yes, they have. Like, you can buy them anywhere. It used to be just like, I saw them at Joanne's, Joanne's Fabrics yesterday. I saw them at a local pharmacy. <laughs> um, so, I was just saying, you remember, um, and, and, you know, people are freaking out, but do you remember when you were growing up, what was the, like, one thing that your school, like, flipped out about and, like, had to ban or just, oh my. Um, wow, you know. Um, oh my gosh, I, I, I'd have to really think about that one. Okay, well, I'll just tell you mine. Yeah, mine, go ahead, because I don't think I have one. Mine was Tamagotchis. Or oh, the, those head. little, uh, it was on a yeah, keychain. Yeah, Yeah, they, um, I had one. I didn't, I think I bought, I did bring mine to school at one point. Actually, it was really funny. I had one. It was a Gigapet. But I had one, my sister had one, and we had gone to Massachusetts. My step-grandfather had passed away. We got to Massachusetts for a funeral, and I had it had fallen between the couch cushions in my grandmother's house, and my grandmother had to mail mine back to me. Hmm. <laughs> but, but yeah, we our, our school banned them, um, and this one girl had a Tamagotchi, and her Tamagotchi, and the teacher had hung it on the board, like, with a thumbtack or whatever dangling from there. And she couldn't get it back till the end of the day. So this Tamagotchi is, like, sitting up there, and it's starving, and it's going to the bathroom. And it's just, like, the screen. And this girl was so upset. But um, that was, yeah, Tamagotchis, I think, was probably the one thing I remember in my school being, like, maybe Pogs, too. But I... It, Pogs weren't nearly as bad, but I do yeah. remember kids freaking out about pogs. The only thing I could think of, but it didn't really freak 
the teachers out. But it was just the one thing that, like, the first thing I could think of would have to be Pokemon cards. I mean, there were days where if I, if it wasn't in the classroom where one kid had Pokemon cards, there was one particular kid who had one. And I'd be on the bus, and there'd be some kids who'd have, like, a binder set of Pokemon cards. And I always remember how... And it's, I think it's still true to this day. You could tell the real ones from the fake ones. Huh. Just by holding it up to a light. It was like, if it does, like, if you hold it to a light, and you can't, like, it can't go through, or you can't see through, then it's uh -huh. real. If you could see it through, then you had a fake. Yeah, Pokemon was popular when I was in high school, but the guys at my school more or less just watched the cartoon and played the video game. We didn't really have the cards. I didn't, the card thing didn't become a big deal until I was in college, and my um, ex-boyfriend and his friends, they were they had, like, binders of cards yeah. and, play, and trade, and it was, like, serious business, that and Magic the Gathering, all of them. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, I I could tell you that um, JT has collected some Pokemon cards, uh -huh. um, and he's seven, so they're still popular. But that was that was the that was the only thing I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I um, but yep, Tamagotchi. Um, yeah, yeah, because um. But music, people didn't really, um, we had, like, Walkmans, but they were so big and heavy that, like, you kind of had to, you couldn't really just sneak we them in. We had Walkmans, too, but we never took them out during class. Yeah, that's the thing, they're so big and heavy, so it's not like you could sneak them like you would, you know, they would notice that you had them. We were uh, permitted to bring them on field trips. Mm-hmm. Like, if we had a field trip where we were on the bus along with Bernie Manch, you're allowed to bring your Walkmans. And uh, that was, in middle school, it was a bigger deal. I mean, when I was in high school, not so much, because a lot of times it would be me and my friends just talking, so we didn't really care. But um, although, in, although in high school, I did bring my Walkman a lot. Yeah. But, but, like, they were these big, bulky things, you know? It wasn't like you can just take your phone and put it on your head oh, and no. earbuds. Oh, no. Definitely not. Yeah, so you couldn't really... But, yeah, but I, I was just thinking, though, because I was, like, you know, reading about all these schools have banned fidget spinners, and I saw a kid at the bus stop the other day he had a fidget spinner on his neck with a gold chain. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. It's like... But, um, that was the... Yeah. Um, oh yeah, pockets. I don't think my school banned them, but I do remember that um, bringing my. Uh, although this was the after school program, but we, the girls, and my after school care and I, we had poly pockets, and we would like line them all up, and it'd be like a little village mm -hmm. <laughs> of poly pockets. Um, but yeah. Actually, I I could tell you. Um, I think they have banned fidget spinners at my school 
But I remember a teacher was telling me the story that she had heard about the lady who, you know, like invented it. She forgot to trademark it. And because of that, she was out two and a half million dollars. Oh, I know she is kicking herself. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, fidget spinners were essentially, you know, originally they were meant for um, children who, you know, fidget or flap their hands a lot um, mm-hmm. so that they could calm themselves during class. And But then it, you know, latched on and suddenly it's just this cool toy for kids to play with. And it, it, it is distracting, I will say that. So it, it's... I, um, I actually got one from my nephews for my birthday. <laughs> I mean, I don't play it a lot, but... Yeah. You know... Yeah, it's, you know, something that, I mean, I certainly couldn't do it at work. Right. I mean, that, well, because my job, I'm using my hands a lot, I'm, like, labeling something, or I'm scanning something, or I'm writing something, so there's, like, no way I could take the time to do that, but, um, no, I just, I just found the whole trend with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about that in 20 years. Yeah, you remember and, fidget spinners? Somebody <laughs> shared a meme recently. It's like um, these kids and fin- fidget spinners, and they're like says so the generation who bought five million pet rocks. Um, now that I don't understand. Right. I was like, I don't know how that was cool. <laughs> um. All right. Um, I want to get into this next one because uh-huh. we have mentioned this band in the past. Uh, I think I recommended one of their albums, one show, um, and it would be very hard for someone not to say, I listened to this band because of this band, and I'm referring to The Beatles. Uh-huh. A website called Vulture.com, spell it like the, the bird, they came out with a list where they ranked all 213 Beatles songs from worst to best. We are not going to do all 213 because we'd be insane and we probably need to be put away. Instead, who the, anyway, instead, we are going to do the top ten Beatles songs, according to this website. Okay. And I shared this with a couple people at work during my lunch break weeks ago. This was a very interesting conversation piece, so. Um, So, I will read uh, the ten. And we'll see if we agree with number one or not. I mean, I've already seen this list, so... So here we go. Number ten. Rain. Can't say I know that one. Number nine. Eleanor Rigby. Sort of a sad song. It is, but it's good. Uh, Number eight. Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown. 
Number seven, here, there, and everywhere. Oh, yeah. Can't say I know that one too well. I only know it from friends, so I can't really. Uh, number six, Dear Prudence. I don't know that one. Number five, Please Please Me. That one I know. Nah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I, I sing it, but I'll spare you. Okay. But number four. If you heard it, you'd recognize right. it. I, I'll probably listen to it later. Yeah. Number four, She Loves You. No, that one you should know. Yeah, I do. I thought that would be closer to... Well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll save my phone for a minute. <laughs> Number three, Penny Lane. I love that one. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Number two, Strawberry Fields Forever. I... It's really funny. I was just playing a, um, a sporacle quiz, and I got that song wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize it. Yeah. Alright, and the number one Beatles song, according to Vulture.com, A Day in the Life. I don't know if I know that one. Oh, that's the last song from the Sgt. Pepper album? Oh. I'll save you me singing, but if, yeah. if you listen to it, I think you would get it. So many of the ones I love are on that list. Yeah, they're surprisingly not in the top ten. I, none of the ones I like. And, um, and, well, and what I think is interesting about this list is, you know, like, okay, I'll, I'll pull up, uh, let, me, let me go back up. Um, let It Be, okay. Let It Be is number 15. I can't listen to Let It Be without cracking up because... Two of, one of our friends, or actually two of our friends, two of our friends sang Let It Be in Project Access at the end of the year oh, program, oh no. accompanied on piano and guitar, and they just sang it so, sang it so horribly off key <laughs> that I now can no longer listen to it without cracking up, even though it is a very sad and serious song. Oh, no. Um, okay, here's another one. Hey Jude, which is probably... One They're, of the most iconic yeah, songs. Yeah, number 20 on this list. I have a friend whose son is actually named after that song. Hmm. Yeah, my friend is a huge Beatles fan. She has her son's room is decorated like a yellow submarine, and her younger right. son's named Jude, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, when you, when you first read this list, you're like, wait a minute, where's this song, where's this song? Because remember, this site is doing all of the Beatles songs. Which is tough to rank because they have a lot of songs, too. Right. They have, well, here they have 213, so... Because they also did... Um, and maybe we could do that list next time if I can find it. They did a Rolling Stones list. Like, all of their songs. Yeah. And that one is how many 374 songs so i'm not really a huge rolling stones fan i do like some of their songs right um yeah. i can actually live with number one i really yeah. can i can live with number one um 
And for those of you who are curious, uh, the song that they said is the worst Beatles song, which would be number 213, Good Day Sunshine. Yeah, I know. So, that's what they chose as the worst Beatles song. So. Wow. But yeah, I thought this was a very interesting list, interesting topic, so, you know... Yeah. Yeah. It's like 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 we like you said, Danielle, the the more well known songs are not in the top ten or the ones yeah. that we like are not in the top ten, you know. So Help I Wanna Hold Your Hand. Oh, um, I I'd have to go back and look at what ranking those songs got. Oh yeah, no, I'm just naming ones yeah. that I can think of. Because if you ask anybody, name Beatles song, unless they're like a huge fan, those probably won't be the ones they name. Yeah, like, if you go to a regular person, and you ask them, can you name me three Beatles songs? I'd say nine times out of ten, you get three Beatles songs. Yeah. Some might be the same, some might not. (laughs) Like, um, I used to listen to our local, um, used to have a local oldie station here at WQSR and every Sunday afternoon they do something or Sunday at, from 11 to noon Sunday morning they do um, Beatles brunch right and, and then, I used to listen to it and they play the most random and songs. I and I know for our classic rock station on Christmas Day it's Beatles weird thing is, I know a lot of people are going to want to smack me for this, but there were songs, Paul McCartney's voice is so iconic with the Beatles that I would hear Paul McCartney songs mm-hmm. from years after he was in the Beatles. And I, like the song, Paul McCartney has a song called Wonderful Christmas Time, and I grew up thinking that was the Beatles, and right. not just Paul McCartney. Like, I would hear it on the the oldie station will play it every year, and I thought it was the Beatles, not just Paul McCartney. Like, I, I can't wait, and this is going to be sort of a cheap plug here, um, for next month, on, I'm, I'm a guest on Now That's What I Call Podcasting, which is a show uh, that reviews each and every Now That's What I Call Music um, release, or the volumes anyway. And I, we did a Christmas one. We did uh, one of the Christmas ones. And that song is on that track list. Mm. So, yeah, you'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, do you have any other news? Because I've got one more thing, and then we'll get to our favorite stuff here. Okay, go ahead. Oh, Okay. Um, so I'm going to go back to Entertainment Weekly, and, uh, the newest edition, and since we won't be recording again till after the 4th of July, um, they came out with a very interesting list, because we're both movie fans. Yeah. And in honor of the 4th of July, consider this guy's... A little early celebration of the 4th of July, whenever you're listening to this show. Mm-hmm. We are going to look at, or at least we're going to talk about, Entertainment Weekly's list 
of the 25 most patriotic movies of all time. Aww. So, I'll give you the movie and the position. We'll go backwards from 25 to 1. We'll see if we agree with the list and if it should be on here. So here we go. We'll start with number 25. The Right Stuff. Hmm. Okay. I'm not really big on Patriot movies, so this <laughs> is kind of... But I, I, I do... I do know that movie. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. So... Yeah. I'll say, sure, it belongs there. Mm-hmm. Number 24. Gettysburg. No, I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. Dan, yeah, okay. Um, I've not seen the whole movie. It is a long, long like movie. <laughs> um, I can I've tell you, been to Gettysburg. Oh, yeah, I've been to. Yeah. I could tell, okay, the stars of the movie, if you are curious, are Jeff Daniels, Tom Berenger, and Martin Sheen. Ooh, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. The, the director's cut is 271 minutes. <laughs> yeah, oh when they When they released it on VHS, it was a two-tape set. Yeah. And, and actually, um, cheap plug here, um, on our South Park podcast, when we reviewed an episode where they were doing, uh, you know, those um, reenactment of wars, one of the reasons why that episode was made was because the creators hated the movie Gettysburg. Well, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it didn't do well at the box office, although given the fact that the running time of the original version, not the director's set... It's three-plus hours! Yeah, it's like four hours long... I mean, who's going to sit in a theater for that long? My dad. Like, um, I had a friend who, um, her birthday one year, they were re-releasing Titanic <laughs> for the anniversary of the, um, I think it was like the... Of the sinking? Yeah, the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. So, it, her birthday was in April, so they were re-releasing the film in theaters, and nobody would go with her to see it. She couldn't get anybody to go with her. I was like, who's going to sit for that? Like, really? Yeah. Alright, uh, 23. Yankee Doodle Dandy. I've heard of it. I have yet to see that movie, and I know that disappoints my mom because she loves that movie, but... <laughs> I've heard of it, I've yet to see it, so... Yeah. It'll, it'll be done one day. Alright, number 22. G.I. Jane. Oh. And that movie was a big deal because Demi Moore shaved her hair off for that movie. I remember. Like and she, the kids shaved their hair. <laughs> yeah, like she went straight in, like, you know. Was it? And I think that was after she did the movie Striptease. Yeah. I, so you go, that, that, so you go, so you go from being a stripper to being in the military. Yeah, I saw that movie. God bless you, Demi. But I do remember she had shaved her head, and her daughters did too. And I 
interesting. God bless you, Debbie Moore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number 21, Superman 2. Not uh, Superman, Superman 2. I've never seen that. Hmm. Well, I, I haven't seen the first one either, so I, I have to. I, maybe I saw the first one. I, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Huh. It right. kind of all run together. <laughs> yeah. Number 20, Sea Biscuit. It's a good movie, but I don't know if it's among... That's what I'm saying. Is it patriotic? I just That's what I'm story. thinking. I mean, I understand. I mean, it's a true story. You know, everything is... Yeah. You know, that story is true. You know, during the Great Depression. Right. But would you really call that one of the most patriotic movies? I don't know. Uh, number 19. Stripes. <laughs> I saw that once. That was a long time ago. If if it's what I think, actually, let me Google it just to make I sure. I think I it, have it, it in my DVD queue on Netflix. Let me just double check. Because okay, yeah, I think I did see it. There's a movie that I often get it mixed oh, up I with. Don't have. That. I'm gonna add it now. Sorry, go ahead. There's a movie called 1948. 40. Yeah. 41, or 1940, that I always get it mixed up with, but Stripes takes place in the present day, and this doesn't. Yeah. So, that. Um, there we go. Okay, number 18, Lone Survivor. Can't say I know that movie. I don't. 17, Private Benjamin. That's why it's number 17. Yeah. Uh, number 16, Lincoln. The one with Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have put that in top 10 just because of who it is. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I... You know. mm -hmm. All right, number 15, Captain America, the first Avenger. Captain America. America, I think so. Yep, this this list. Captain America and Sea Biscuit. Patriotic. Number fourteen. Seventeen seventy six. My father loves that movie. Every year on Fourth of July it comes on my father watches it. He loves that movie. Um, I want to say I remember somebody in my family seeing that, but I don't remember who, so. Yeah. Um, okay, number 13, Independence Day. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, it does. 
Will Smith blowing up a bunch of aliens. That's uh, a title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number number twelve, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I'd put that in the top five. Yeah. I've seen that. That's very patriotic. I'd put that in the top five. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. I know what it is. You should see it. Yeah. Number 11, The American President. Oh, my God. I remember that movie. (laughs) I, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it, it is... I mean, it's patri- it does have a patriotic plot as it is about the president, but it's also a romantic comedy. None of you can defend this movie being on this list. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. And, and for those who are curious, we are going to put this list on the Facebook group so you all can discuss this. So. Directed by Ralph Reiner. Yeah. Good, good comeback there, Danielle. I, I, I love Ralph Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> number, number ten, Air Force One. I remember that movie. Get off my plane. Okay. <laughs> it's that line and. I'm the President of the United States! Wow. Everything else is just like, okay, whatever. But again, it does have a patriotic plot. <sighs> yeah, it does. You're right. Uh, actually, you probably, I don't recommend watching it right now. Right. It might freak you out due to current events. But, <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, well, why don't you tell Kathy Griffin that? Oh, too yeah. late. <laughs> it, it, yeah. All right. Number nine. Rocky Four. Now I have to go look that up. Because okay, that's the one where Rocky goes fights the Russian. There's a lot of Russians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sorry. I, Why I, is the first one not in this list? I would think the first Rocky would be more patriotic than Rocky IV because of what the story is. I mean, I understand Rocky IV is like, oh, Rocky represents America. He's got to beat the commie, you know. But Wow, and it was the highest grossing sports movie for 24 years before it was overtaken by the blind side. Jeez, that's pretty good Good for a fourth movie. <laughs> See, that's why we're going to get into sequels in a little bit. I had no idea. Like, I just thought they declined in quality, but that is pretty impressive. Actually, it, it declines in quality in Rocky V. Although oh, I've Rocky heard... Rocky V was before Rocky Balboa. Okay. Yeah. Although I've heard Rocky Balboa is real good, so... Yeah. All right. Number eight, Top Gun. It is. Good soundtrack. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, one of our friends, uh, when he has a movie night later this summer, that's going to be the movie that he plays. Although I think I'm busy that night, so. But. 
But one, but when your brother has seen Top Gun a thousand times, you pretty yeah. much know the movie by heart. <laughs> All right, number seven, Hidden Figures. Yeah. Is it too soon to be that high? True, but it does. It is a very important movie, certainly. Right. Certainly. I'm. I'm. I'm just saying, like. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird because it just came out not too long ago, but yeah. it, it, it is a very important movie, I will say. Oh, that. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Number six, Team America World Police. Okay, that's stretching it just a bit here. <laughs> like, we went through Top Gun and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> Trey and Matt must be. Hmm. I tell you. <laughs> Can I... Okay, I have to tell this story, and I'll probably tell this story when I have to review this movie in like a year or two. Um, DC 101, uh, An Alien in the Morning. I don't know if they still have this or not, but when I was in college, uh, um, yeah, like senior year, high, end of high school going into college, they had an STD map, and people would call in and tell them what STD they had, and they would pinpoint it on the map. So one day, this person calls, and he tells Elliot that he has AIDS. And they start playing the song Everyone Has AIDS from this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Hey, folks, you do not want Terrible. me... You do not want me to sing that song right now. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> I had to sing him. I had to sing that song in my head. Uh, number five, Patton. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that, that has to be in there. George C. Scott as General Patton. That has to be mm -hmm. in there. Number four, Miracle. I remember that one. Yeah, that, 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 that's very true. Mm. That makes sense. If, if you read what the story of what happened, I can understand yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you... It's hard to describe. But, if you read about how... They they went, like, the struggles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Then it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, number three. Glory. Okay. I've never seen that movie. Mm -hmm. It's another one I've never seen, but I've heard good stuff about it. Number two, Apollo 13. Yep, that makes sense. Is it really that patriotic, though? Yeah, I guess. It's tough to say. It is. But... 
I won't say it's a terrible movie because it certainly isn't. Right. Yeah. All right. We're ready for number one. Sure. I think number one's going to make up for some of these weird choices. According to Entertainment Weekly, the most patriotic movie ever made is Saving Private Ryan. Okay. I, I actually have to agree with this. This is a yeah. great choice for number one. And I will still argue to the day I die how Shakespeare and Love beat this movie for best picture. Shame on you, Academy. Shame uh -huh. on you. So that's the list of the most patriotic movies of all time. Uh, we'll put the list up, or I'll put the list up, on our Facebook group, and you guys can discuss of if you agree with the list, if there are movies that should be on this list. Maybe there are some that we missed. All right, now it is time for a segment called "You Know What I Miss." This is a segment where one of us will talk about something that we miss that is, for the most part, no longer around. Uh, Danielle has the honor of doing it for this month. So, Danielle, what do you miss? Okay, this is something I didn't really live for too long. Like, it was just starting to kind of fade out when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. But... What I miss, or I wish that I got to have more of growing up, TV dance shows. Hmm. Like, and they, they did exist sort of when I was a teenager, but like American Bandstand or Soul Train, where they just, it was just, hey, um, we have a bunch, we're just going to get a bunch of people into the studio and just mm -hmm. dance for an hour to whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, here in Baltimore, in fact, we had probably one of the most famous local ones, the Buddy Dean Show, which was the basis for the movie Hairspray, was um, Buddy Dean Show. They just, they got a bunch of people in the studio and they danced. Like, I wish that shows like that really existed. And American Bandstand was just like starting to go down, die out when I was like real little, so I didn't really get to it. I saw it in reruns growing up, mm -hmm. and Soul Train existed when I was a kid, and I and it, it was still on the air when I was in high school. But it wasn't the same. I blame music videos. Okay. Because, because shows like Soul Train, and then and then MTV had a few of them, a few short-lived dance shows. Um, I remember one when I was in high school called Cisco Shakedown, which. Cisco, he has a song, song. He was like a huge star at the time. And there was a show on MTV, come on. Or there was another one called, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it, but where they had people dancing in studios across the world. and they. But the problem was music videos made choreographed dancing a big thing and made like backup dancers in demand mm -hmm. and choreographers a big deal because you could when I was in high school you get videos of people learn how to do the dance moves from this video learn how to do so everybody who was on these dance shows 
wanted to get discovered to be on music videos. So they would dance like all these sort of choreographed dance moves. Whereas if you watch old dance shows from like the 70s, there were, yeah, sure, there were a couple people showing up, but it literally was just like almost like a wedding or a school dance with like, hey, just come on and dance. And, right. You know, do whatever. And it's, and they're like having fun and they're just dancing around. And I, I kind of wish we had shows like that. Although it is a little awkward now because the kind of music that's on the radio now is kind of difficult to dance to. <laughs> Or maybe I'm old. Yeah, with, with, without without doing inappropriate gestures and. Yeah, it, 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 it's kind of like I don't know, but I I, I just I wish we had stuff like American Bandstand or um, you know, or 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 Soul Train or um, maybe not the Buddy Dean. Well, to an extent, the Buddy Dean show, not the way that it was, mm-hmm. you know. Structured certainly not, right. not uh, the type of restrictions they had on there. Because um, for those of you who haven't, um, who aren't aware, hairspray at the end of the movie, hairspray it gets integrated, but in real life that didn't happen. They it got pulled off the air before they could do that. Like, um, yeah. What do you think? Well, I was gonna say, like I remember um, when I was a little kid. There was a dance show on on the USA Network called Dance Party USA. Oh, I remember that. And I, I think it used to play in the afternoon, um, like weekday afternoons. And and that was a big deal. Like I'm looking at the notes right now, and it was on from April '86 to June '92. Tilly Ripa got her start right. on Dance Party USA. And look at her now. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, there was another, there were a lot of really local ones. There used to be this one, although this is, probably, this is sort of a different scenario, but there was this guy who here in Baltimore is a local guy, and he was called the Moon Man, and he would host a show called Moon Man's Golden Classics, and he'd come on like every Saturday night on the Public Access Channel. And it would basically be like these people my dad's age dancing to like 60s R&B music. And <laughs> my sister and I would watch it just sort of crack up at these people. Because some of them were actually very good dancers, but there are a few of them that kind of. <laughs> but um, that, that was a fun show. But I, I just, I miss stuff like that. But nowadays with things like YouTube and music videos and whatnot, everybody's just trying to get on TV to get a big break and not just, hey, I want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, okay, I, I remember, to a degree, uh-huh. dance shows, so, alright, um, next month, it's gonna be my turn, so I'll have to think of a, of a good one, cause you've had some good ones so far. So. Yeah, well, that's cause this is basically what I do at work, my poor co-workers, if I, <laughs> like, I missed this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Alright, folks, uh, we're now gonna get into the big discussion for this month, and we're gonna talk about movie sequels. Oh. Uh, because a lot of movie sequels have come out 
um, over the past several years, and uh, the the last one of the last movies I saw in the theater was Guardian of the Galaxy Volume Two, which I really enjoyed, and seeing that sort of inspired um, me to come up with this theme, and you know, it it's just us talking about sequels that we like. Um. And, and we'll just go back and forth for as long as we can. Um, I, I guess I gotta go with one that we mentioned earlier, and that's Rocky IV. Um, that's a good movie for a number of reasons. One is the storyline. Because um, we told you Rocky goes to Russia. Um... But another good reason why that movie is good to me is the music that's in that movie. Because um, you had Survivor, the band, excuse me, back on the soundtrack, but they had a new singer for this particular one. And they did... Um, a song called Burning Heart, which is a pretty good song. Uh-huh. And then they, and then there's another song, there's so many other songs in this. Actually, I'll pull the soundtrack up so I can tell you guys what's on it. Um, Hearts on Fire, that, that's the song that's played in uh, the montage um, vignette that they do, um, uh-huh. you know, for the training of the fight. Um, and then you also have... Uh, Living in America, James Brown is in the movie. Like, he performs the song in the movie. And then there's, like, the big song from the movie called No Easy Way Out. And the video is weird because if you watch the video, it's just the singer and he's, like, in this studio and his hair is up and... It's so weird. Robert Tepper is his name. Um, but no, I. it's a good movie. And I, I think three and four are probably my favorite Rocky movies. Uh-huh. All right. Ugh, got so many movies. I know, movie. right? And it's weird, um, I've been telling people with trilogies, generally I tend to like the second one best. Mm-hmm. That's usually how it goes, but I can name a few exceptions. One exception being the Meet the Parents trilogy. Meet the Parents 1 is great. The Meet the Parents first one, great. Right. Great, you can't top it. The second one, Meet the Fockers, which I saw in theaters, was okay. It wasn't terrible, but I think if they had more of the Burns, like Robert De Niro, their relatives in it, and then they had them with Ben Stiller's relatives mixed together, that would have been funnier. That would have made it even more funnier. Mm-hmm. They, that, that, but part of it was because the actors who played her sister got pneumonia and wound up passing away. 
eventually. So she was very sick for a bat's pass when that movie came out, so she couldn't be in it. Right. So it's kind of sad. Um, then they did um, Little Fockers, which just was... Weird. It was difficult to watch because Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman made no secret that they were just doing it for the money. So that kind of makes it difficult to watch for that reason. Um, but, yeah, that was just... Alright. Um, you know, I'm going to stick with trilogies. And I'm going to go with the original Star Wars sequels, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Those are really good movies. Like, I, I understand why more people prefer Empire than they do Return of the Jedi, because Return is a little goofy with the Ewoks um, being in the movie, which I understand. But Empire, Empire is so good because it's, you know, Darth Vader and the Empire getting revenge. And in a way, if you think about it, it's one of those rare movies where the bad guy wins in the end. Because... Um, uh, Han Solo's in Carbonite, um, Luke has his hand chopped off, and then he finds out, spoiler alert for those who've never seen it, uh, Darth Vader is his father, um, and I, like I said, it's one of those rare movies where in the end, the bad guy wins, and then when you go to Return of the Jedi, um, which I... For me, I prefer that one over Empire, but that's just me. You know, you get Jabba the Hutt, and then you got Slave Leia. Oh my God! I, you know, we. One of our first episodes was, you know, I, I, it was like the hottest people ever in a movie, and Leia, you know, the slave outfit, just on its own, is on there. Um, and then, you know, you have the conclusion of Luke and Vader, you know. Um, and then, yeah, of course, you got the Ewoks, I know. Oh, they're bear people. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but that would be a good one. I know, I know the prequels get shit on a lot. Um, to me, the third, like, episode three is the best of the three of those because of what happens and I'm actually a fan of The Phantom Menace I didn't think it was that bad of a movie I could I could see Attack of the Clones being a bad movie but honestly I didn't think they were that bad yeah All right. Um. Okay. Um. Oh God. <laughs> like I, I have so many. I'm just trying to narrow it down. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we can list as many as we want. So. Okay. Um. Oh 
that I've seen that with sequels, it's interesting if the sequel was the one you saw first. Mm, yep, that's happened. Like, um, I grew up watching Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. I didn't see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids until a few years later when it aired on TV, but we had the tape of Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, so that was the one I saw the most. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people feel like the, it was too over the top, and they didn't like Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. But Honey, I Blew Up the Kid was all I really knew, and so Honey, I Shrunk, We Shrunk Ourselves came out when I was in middle school, and I loved that one, too. Yeah. But that one, I feel like Honey, I Blew Up the Kid was more entertaining because um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, the action is more concentrated in their house. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, it goes through the whole city of Las Vegas, and it's like this big thing. Like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, it's just, oh, the kids get shrunk, they're in the backyard, and it's just the neighbors and the parents trying to, okay, fine. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, it's the parents, their aunt and uncle, because they shrink, and then they have to deal with their kids are throwing a party in the house when they think they're out of town. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, you know, that's stuff to deal with. That's a funny thing. And then the, and they stop it by their dad jumping in the stereo saying, this is the voice of God. And that was funny. But Honey, I Blew Up the Kid took it to like an extreme because he, their, their two-year-old turns into a giant and then he escapes from the house, goes through the city of, um, Las Vegas and is like um, trying to just and the whole city is under you know they had to call in the National Guard and the military and there's like a whole news crew and it's this big insane thing yeah (laughs) that happens and like people are oh my god and um, and (laughs) the way they and he's like chasing after an ice cream truck, and <laughs> oh yeah, that. But that was like my movie when I was growing up with Honey I Blew Up the Kid. Like that was just epic to me. <laughs> I'm actually gonna stick with what you just said of seeing the sequel first, uh-huh. and then going backwards. Yeah, I did that with Austin Powers. Yeah. Um, cause I saw the third one first. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. It's very weird. Um, I saw the third one first. I think it was Goldmember was the name of it. Yeah, Goldmember. Um, and, you know, I liked it. I thought it was good. Then, after that, I saw the second one next. Which, uh-huh. if you had to compare the sequels, I think the second one is a lot funnier yeah. than the third one. And then I saw the first one. But I, I think the Austin Powers sequels are pretty good. Um, I'd say the second one is better than the third one. Yeah, the second one is my favorite of Austin Powers. I will certainly agree with that. Um, that was, I did, I did see them in order, 
but the one um, that I remember most that I loved was Spine Shag Me. That was my favorite. Yeah. That was, and I remember it won Kids' Choice Awards, and because the title was so risque, they couldn't say, <laughs> they right. say Austin Powers 2, they couldn't say the name of the movie. Or the actual name was Austin Powers 2, Spider Shag Me. And, um, but we did see Goldmember in theaters. And we just didn't really, I, I didn't like it that much. Mainly because I liked, um, what's her name? Um, Felicity Shagwell, I thought, made it better. I, I liked Heather Graham better right. than Beyonce. Because Heather Graham's character actually kind of was just, a, you know, she was funny, but she was also just a regular person. Like, um, I just remember Beyonce wondering, also this was during a period of time with Beyonce. I still think she's highly overrated. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. I, so this was during the time when she was starting to leave Dusty's Child. She was just everywhere, and I was like, oh, God. So she was just like, I'm Foxy Cleopatra, and I'm a whole lot of woman. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, and I think the other reason why the second one is probably better than the third one, and, and I want to see if you'll agree with me on this one or not, with the second one, it's sort of following the same with the first one, where there's a love interest for Austin Powers. Whereas, in the third one, there is no love interest. It's just, oh, I knew Foxy for a long time. And, oh, I just rediscovered my dad. And, oh, the villain that I hate is actually my brother. So, yeah. And the sad thing is, it leaves a sequel hook, but then it doesn't. There hasn't been one, so that kind of makes mm -hmm. it bad. That there, there, there's actually a sequel hook at the end of it. Yeah, there is. So, um, it, it, you know, um, yeah. So that, that was um, the other. Okay, another one, and this is sort of um, and this is another point I have about sequels. Recasting is everything. And if you bring back care, and if you have it end a certain way, do not pretend like it didn't happen and the third one picks up. All right. One of, this is another one I saw first. I saw Prom Child 2 first. All right. Prom Child 2, one of my favorite movies. Although I saw it on USA and it was watered down considerably, so that was the version I grew up with. The original version is much more toilet humor. It's like almost grossed me out. Um, but I loved Problem Child 2. That was one of my favorite movies. It used to come on USA like almost every year or so. And John Ritter, one of my favorite people in the world. In fact, it's one of the celebrity deaths I still have a hard time getting over. That was just... So, um, Problem Child 2. So I grew up watching Problem Child 2. I saw Problem Child 1 later on. I like Problem Child 1 as well. It is a good movie. In fact, it kind of inspired me to want to adopt a kid someday, which is a weird thing if you see Problem Child and you know what kind of movie it is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a funny... If anything, it would inspire you not to. But it, it, so, 
they're they're good movies. Problem Child Two takes it to another extreme, and um, it's that there's a kid just as bad as him. That's a girl, and she is also being raised by a single parent, and they get together. And it's cute. Like the, it ends with them getting together, and the kids are and they're all walking hand in hand at sunset. So I was all excited when I heard, "Oh, do you need a Problem Child Three? Great!" Oh, good, you know, because I wanted to see um, Ben and Amy and Junior and Annie and Junior and Trixie all, you know, their family mm-hmm. now. No. <laughs> they, they like, they didn't even mention them. Now, I kind of get why they're not in it, because um, John Ritter isn't in the third one. John, he got recast. And then the kid who plays Junior got recast because it was a few years between them. So puberty, and it just would have been weird and not as funny to have a teenager acting like that, I guess. Yeah. So they recast him, and then they recast John Ritter, and which just killed it, because John Ritter, that was, he was Ben Healy. Like, you couldn't. But the actress who played his love interest in both movies was, actually, no, she wasn't his wife yet. But they, I think they had been married by the time they made the third one or were together. So it would have been weird to have her in there, I guess, without John Ritter. Um, it, 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 it's hilarious. Um, but I, it, it just really bummed me out because, like, with sequels, I feel like you're if you like the characters in the first one and you go to watch it because you're hoping to see more development and they're not there, it really ticks me off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hate to give another example. Because of, um, like, a Goofy movie. <laughs> like, and people, in fact, I read an article, they're like, I don't know why people were so ticked that Roxanne wasn't in the sequel because she wasn't really a character in the first one. I'm like, that's why, because she's barely in the first one. We were hoping, well, you know, the sequel, maybe we'll see more of her. No. <laughs> um, if I didn't mention this next one, mm-hmm. I think I'd kick myself in the butt so yeah. hard if I did not mention this. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that might be up there as... One of the greatest sequels ever. And the fact that that movie was the the only one of the three Toy Story movies that was nominated for Best Picture, which, you know, uh, you know it's the Academy. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, but, you know, it, it's just the third one... It, at the time, you watch it, and it's like, this is it. This is like the the end, the culmination of everything. The 15 years, you know, with the first one, which was so groundbreaking. And then the second one, which is a good movie, it really is. And then the third one, which was just unbelievably well. And then it's like... You know, okay, they've done it. They can't do any more. And then they have to shit on it going like, oh, we're going to do Toy Story 4. What? No! 
You don't need to do a fourth Toy Story. Uh-huh. You know, like, you... You've... You hit the jackpot with that last one. You don't need to do a fourth movie. Speaking of unnecessary sequels, I present for your enjoyment the tragedy that is the Home Alone movie. Oh. Because, okay, Home Alone, holiday classic, one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, mm -hmm. watch it every year, wonderful. Home Alone 2, not as great as the as the first one, but true to the plot, and just, you know, they got the same people back, no problem. Home Alone 3 should not have been called Home Alone 3, hmm. should have been called anything remotely, because first of all, he's not Home Alone, second of all, it's not... Alright, Home Alone 1, he, Kevin's parents go on vacation, they forget, he, they leave him at home. Mm -hmm. Okay, he is actually Home Alone. Home Alone 2, he's not at home, he's in New York, but he's by himself, and that's why it's called Home Alone 2, lost in New York. No problem. Um, home Alone 3, his parents go to work, and he's home with the chicken pox. So... Technically, so they know he's at home, or they, they like they know they're leaving him at home. Yeah, he has a babysitter. Yes, the criminals tie up the babysitter at some point, but it, it's not really. And then, what also made Home Alone so ingenious was that Kevin made these traps out of stuff that he just thought of, like he thought to, you know, dangle the paint cans or. Um, t high, um, rig the fan so that it um, blows the feathers all over him so he looks like a chicken or the tar with the nail from the thing. Like, he thought to do all this. Home Alone 3, the kid has, like, a talking bird and he has a remote control car. Like, he has, like, technology that helps him do this. Like, right. he doesn't think of this stuff. He just, you know. I, I, I don't think he's actually a then Home Alone 4, which is, they took Kevin from the first two movies. Fine. But they made him younger. Didn't work. They got rid of two of his siblings. So he only has two siblings. In the first one, he has four. I know it's hard to tell because yeah. his cousins are running around too. But he has four siblings in the... At the end of the movie, when they come home, there's only four kids with them. So those are... Um, so, but the... And it just, it just isn't that good. It's basically Home Alone in a Smart House. Again, not ingenious. Well, if I can defend at least the second one. Yes. And this is my theory on... At least the first two of those yeah. movies. The first movie, to me, has the better plot. Right. I mean, honestly, you know, we're talking 1990. Who would even think, you know, 
we got to make sure because I've been on we've all been on vacations and it's always you know you're so sure every single time you know everybody's here everybody's here everybody's here but then there's that one time and all it could take is that one time and if you watch it they do such a good job of covering all possible bases as to how they would know exactly like, and I know people are like, well, how could they forget the kids? But, like, his um, airline ticket, they spill the Pepsi on it so it gets thrown in the trash. Okay, so there's the extra ticket. The neighborhood kid goes into the van to go see what's going on and looking through their stuff. And gets so when, counted. Yeah, so when his cousin does the head count, she counts him so they think they have enough kids. Okay, fine. So, so then um, if on the plane... When his mother is like, Kevin, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when she realizes it. Okay, totally makes sense. <laughs> and also keep in mind, this was before cell phones. Oh my God, yes. This was before 9-11, where you had to go through security checkpoints and have identification. Yep. And you can be late. I mean, like, you, you don't have to be there three hours early. Yeah, and like, um, and they just... So that that takes care of that. And keep in mind that they had a bad storm the night before, which knocked out the power, which knocked out the phone lines in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is the first Home Alone has the better plot. Mm-hmm. The second one, to me, has the better traps. Be- and, and, and I'll say why. Because with the first one, it's his house. Yeah. You know, it's his house. So he knows where he's going to go. With the second one, he's in this abandoned... I, was, it a, was, it a, was it another house or was it an it apartment? It was his... his um... His uncle Rob, his uncle Rob, who in the first movie had moved, had gotten transferred to Paris. That's um, in the first movie, their uncle Rob had gotten transferred to Paris, but his uncle Rob had a place in New York. Right. Or I guess he had moved to New York or something. So um, he has his dad's dress book, and he's like, "Would you think to call my my brother Rob?" It's like, yeah, Uncle Rob and Aunt Georgette live in New York, but Uncle Rob and Aunt Georgette are out of town and they're renovating their house. So right. It's like all, yeah. So the second one, you know, you've got more toys to play with. And, you know, you have more options. Which is why I prefer the traps in the second one more than I do the first one. The second one, the way that... You, you sort of have to stretch the belief that he got left more so than the first one. Well, that, well, okay, well, no, wait, now the second one is different because he follows a guy who... Looks like his dad. Right. He's wearing his dad. Mm-hmm. But somebody pointed out, and he not runs into the um, lady at the, um, at the door and knocks the tickets over, so it's the other thing. Yeah. But... Someone did point out that even in 1992, when this was made, they would have the the flight attendant would have gone up to the guy and said, "Excuse me, sir, is this your son?" 
mm-hmm. instead of just having him say, "Hey, there's my dad." Okay. Yeah. So that that, but other than that, it, it's plausible. Um, and I did have to laugh at the plot, even though this is terrible. Where the parents are like, "This has happened before," but we never forget our luggage. <laughs> just like his, his mother is just. Uh, yeah, so it, it, they're both good movies, and they kind of just make you paranoid. <laughs> yeah. Very paranoid about forgetting your kids. <laughs> um, let me just save that. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, wow, I, another, I had to think of another trilogy. I have two. <laughs> I okay, you know what? I just thought of another one. I am a uh-huh. fan, and I'm I might get weird looks on this one. I'm actually a fan of the of uh, Temple of Doom. Uh-huh. And and again, it goes into the oh, I saw the sequel before I saw the original. But here's the difference, though. With this sequel. The only reason why I saw that one first before I saw the first Indiana Jones movie was because I was seven years old and my brother got it, got that movie, Temple of Doom, on a videotape for Christmas. So there was no way I could avoid not watching it. And I do enjoy that movie. I really do. I think it's got it's got the same humor as Raiders, but for me, I think it's just a little bit more funnier. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. What What's your next one? Okay. Um. Whoa. I have two, but I'm gonna talk about first. I'll talk about um. Aladdin. Oh. I almost brought that one up. <laughs> this is a case where I actually like the first one the best. Because, well, although now I have a hard time watching Aladdin because Robin, Robin Williams, we know. Very difficult. <laughs> but, um, but Aladdin was huge for me. That was the only movie I ever saw in theaters twice hmm. as a kid was Aladdin. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me. That was a huge thing. I, you know, uh, that, in fact, somebody even read that that is one of the, I wrote, that was one of the few movies where um, the characters have known each other for a short period of time and get engaged and it actually looks plausible. Like you can understand how mm-hmm. that happened. <laughs> um, it, it is so good. So, Yes, Aladdin and Jasmine, they get engaged at the end of the movie. And, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, great. Okay. So then they proceed to have what is probably one of the longest engagements in the history of Disney and very frustrating to me as a child. Because um, they have the return so far. Right. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, you return at Jafar. Oh, we get to see them again. Oh, they're going to get married. No. Okay. Oh, Iago's good now. Okay. 
so we're going to get a TV show. Oh, are we going to get married on a TV show? No. Another year of the TV show? No. A few more years pass. Oh, and then um, we get Aladdin and the King of Thieves, and there it is, and on the poster it's Aladdin and Jasmine and Wedding Garb, and yes, they're going to get married. It's going to be a big deal. Yay, yay, yay. No. Oh. It's only like two minutes of the movie. <laughs> so we're going to sit there crap about his father. Great. <sighs> I don't care. I really don't care. I honestly prefer King of Thieves of, as far as the sequels go. Uh, yeah, I, I do get King of Thieves a lot of people prefer because um, Robin Williams didn't return didn't come back for Return to Far and Dan Castanella of Homer Simpson does voice of Genie. But uh yeah. I just I just didn't care about father. Like I was fine with just assuming that both of his parents were dead. <laughs> okay? I really did not care. Not no. <laughs> um Alright, one more sequel. Oh, alright, I just thought of it. And, and I talk about this with someone at work a lot. Uh-huh. The Mighty Ducks. Especially ah. the second one. Those are the only two I've seen. I've only seen the first two. The, yeah, the third one I don't really care that much for. But, like, the second one is so interesting <laughs> because... And it's like, uh, my co-worker said, it's like, oh, they got a regional hockey team to represent the United States of America. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then they're playing uh, Iceland, and the Iceland team is like a bunch of teenagers who could almost be adults. <laughs> so, um, but no, the second one is good. Because it introduces char new characters, and the new characters fit. That's one of those things with sequels where sometimes new characters work, and sometimes they don't. Obviously, it works with Toy Story because it's Toy Story. But with the Mighty Ducks, this fits because they're representing the United States of America. You know, and they, they, they can't win it on their own. They gotta get kids from other parts of the country and you know and then of course when they get Keenan Thompson with the knuckle puck and honestly how many of us have tried the knuckle puck I know I have um it just makes for a good movie it's a good sports movie why why is that movie not on the most patriotic movies of all time list yeah Oh, screw Superman 2. Give me the Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your last one. Oh, God, this is tough just to pick one more. Well, you said you had two. I know, I did, and then I thought of more. Oh, mm. God. I own too many sequels. This is a problem. Mm. All right. Um, I guess I'll go off of your theme of discussing characters mm -hmm. and new characters. One of the biggest 
mistakes you can do as a sequel is when you're dealing with a sequel and you want to um, do a whole new cast for the sequel. Right. So you do characters that are basically XPs of the character in the previous film. Don't do it. And that brings us to Grease 2. Ah. Don't. I, I, I have people who love Grease 2. In fact, I have one friend in college who prefers it to the first one, which it took me a while to accept that opinion. Grease 1, it is fraught with problems, especially from the, um, from the certain, um, standards of how things are now versus how they were in the 50s, you can kind of, mm -hmm. there's a lot of gray area there, but, but for the most part, it's a great movie. It's a great, you know, John Travolta is just, um, wonderful. It, it's a classic. You can't, like, so they decided a few years after Grease came out, they were going to make a sequel. In fact, if the sequel had done well, they were going to do a TV series. Right. Okay, so they get Grease 2. Now, keep in mind, Grease 1, the plot of Grease 1, or Grease, is that Sandy is a goody two-shoes who falls in love with T-Bird, Danny. Danny tries to be um, a goody two-shoes to get Sandy. He kind of tries to be a jock. And Sandy decides to be, like, a tough, like, chick with yeah. the leather pants and the jacket and the cigarette and all that stuff. All right, to get Danny. Okay. So the sequel takes place in the early 1960s, which is about, like, two years or so after the first. All right. So it's the same plot, but with the genders reversed. Michelle Pfeiffer is... Um, I think her name's Stephanie. I want to say her name's Stephanie. Um, and she is a pink lady who are like, I guess you could say she's tough. She's supposed to be like Rizzo's character was in the first one. Right. And she's pink lady. Okay. Then there's this guy um, who's supposed to be from Australia, but he's actually from England in real life, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> And he's supposed to be Sandy's cousin. <laughs> and he's a goody two-shoes. So he tries to be a T-bird because pink ladies can only date T-birds. Okay. So he's trying to be tough and be like a T-bird. And he like it has the secret identity of this guy on a motorcycle. And it's, it's a weird movie. Yeah. It's weird because, number one... The T-Birds in the sequel aren't really as tough as the ones in the first one. They're really not. They're, like, like, Kaniki would look like a guy that if you ran into him in Alley, you'd be really freaked out. Like, if you ran into, okay, maybe not Pussy. Pussy was weird and Sunny and Donnie. They were weird, but Danny and Kaniki, like, they look like they could, like, beat the crap out of you. They were tough-looking guys. You know, you totally bought it. But the ones in Grease too, they're like these goofballs in like leather jackets. Like it was like watching Happy Days or something. Like, <laughs> like which I love Happy Days, but it's like they weren't like like you wouldn't really buy into the fact that oh my God, this guy is gonna tear beat the crap out of him for 
hitting on the pink lady mm-hmm. because they were like these goofy dorks with like leather jackets singing the song like walk walk like T-Bird, talk, talk like T-Bird, and we're going bowling, yeah! And and then they had a pink lady that was at, like 13 years old, which was just all kinds of awkward. Like the pink lady had like a younger sister who was like 13 years old and had a crush on one of the T-Birds, but she couldn't date them because she was 13. It's just so uncomfortable and like, ugh. And, and then and then they tried to bring back Frenchies to make it look like, well, Frenchie's a teacher at Rydell High now, so it's okay. And I'm like, no, it just doesn't work. It just really, really, like, I wish they had done it where they followed up with, like, Danny and Sandy after high school. I really, although at that point, John, well, no, John Travolta wasn't that famous then, actually wasn't doing that well. So, Olivia Newton-John was pretty famous then, though. So yeah. She probably wouldn't have come back, but John Travolta was, well, no, he was doing Staying Alive, which was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which is actually pretty good, but but between them, that period, he wasn't all that great in most of the 80s, so it was kind of a gray area, but... Yeah, I don't know. It it was just terrible, and there's, like, only one song in the whole movie I like, and that's the one where she's singing the song because she thinks he got killed in a motorcycle accident. It's really awkward, though, because she's, like, on stage in a town show, and she suddenly has this daydream and starts singing the song. And, mm-hmm. um, and then there were a lot of songs about sex, which is, they were in the first one, but the first one did a much better job of covering it up with double entendre. Oh, yeah. Did a much, well, probably because there were songs from the Broadway musical, but they did a much better job. Whereas the second one, you have songs like, reproduction, reproduction. Like, they, they like say it flat out, and I'm like, oh. or um, they have a song where, he gets this girl down a fallout shelter and he's trying to convince her to and they and it's called let's do it for our country, our country. right i remember that one so yeah it, it, it was just too like what made grief so entertaining was how can you say it without actually saying it <laughs> so it, it's it, sort yeah. of like how can we get away with it without getting in trouble like, I didn't even know a lot of the stuff in get a lot of it until I was an adult. Because I first saw Grease when I was in middle school. I didn't get a lot of it. Like, the thing with Rizzo and Kaniki and the pregnancy scare, I did not understand that at all. Well, mm-hmm. I understood that she, was pre- that she thought she was pregnant. But how it happened, because there's a scene that shows you how, but I didn't get that till I was much older. I was like, Oh, because they don't say they don't say actual terms for things. So right, yeah. So like, I was like, why is he carrying an insurance policy around? What does that have to do? Oh, that's what that is. <laughs> All right. 
Um, so those are the video, or videos, I'm looking at music video stuff here. Um, <laughs> those are the movie sequels uh, that we like, and maybe there are some that we didn't mention that you guys might like. There are several I didn't mention. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I could yeah. come up with others later. Yeah, but... Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are... You know, I, I think sequels are... I, I know sequels get a bad rap because it's like, oh, my God, it's a sequel. Why are we dealing, you know? But sequels are just about as important to the movies as... You know, any original song or movie. Damn it, I'm still looking at videos. And, um, you know, they're, they're important. They really are. So, next time when you hear that they're going to do a sequel, um, just remember, they're just as important, you know, to the movies as the original is. But do check to see how many cast members are reprising roles. Oh, yeah. That, that can be kind of a... <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we have now reached the time where we get to choose our movie and album of the month. And I am going to start with the movie for this particular time around. And I have to be honest, this was another one where I had I, I, I had a bit of a trouble trying to pick one. Because, um, again, you know, you could go so many different ways. But, in the end, I went with one movie that is actually a, a good movie. And I, and I think if you are a sports fan, I think you should check this movie out for historic purposes. And the movie is Eight Men Out. Um, this is this is based on a true story. This is about the nineteen nineteen Chicago White Sox. And for those who've never heard the story, um, they basically there were eight players on that team, or allegedly eight players, who threw the World Series because back then. Whoever won the American League and the National League would be the two that play in the World Series. It wasn't divisions and all that stuff. So, the story is, that year, the 1919 White Sox are just a very dominating baseball team. But their owner, uh, Charles Comiskey, is sort of a, uh, to put it nicely, he's sort of a cheapskate. Like, he doesn't pay for extra stuff for them, like the laundry or, the, you know, or travel or food or whatever. So, they come up with a plan to throw the World Series, which at that time, you know, had never been thought of, had never been done before. Um, and... And, and eventually, you know, they do lose the World Series. They lose to the to the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and then there's this trial that happens, and 
it's a very good movie. It's a, a very good cast. Uh, you have John Cusack in it, uh, Charlie Sheen, um, Christopher Lloyd, John Mahoney, um, Michael Rooker, D.B. Sweeney, uh, Clifton James, John Mahoney, uh, David Strathorn, um, uh, who else? Uh, John, yeah, John Mahoney, who's the dad from Frasier. He's in this movie. It's just a... Yeah, he did a lot of movies. Yeah. He, it's just a very, very good movie. Um, and it's, and it's a true story. That's what I keep telling everyone. You know, this is based on a true story. This actually happened. And, you know, to think that something like... I, I think if this happened in today's world of sports, I don't know if this could be pulled off. Because, to a degree, this was pulled off. And, you know, they were involved with the mafia. And it's... You just have to watch the story. It's very well done. Um, an underrated sports movie, in my opinion. Um, not a patriotic sports movie, but it's an underrated sports movie. Um, but if you're looking for a different baseball movie, I would recommend Eight Men Out. Okay. Um... I'm checking this list to see if I have listed. Okay. Um. Alright. To go with our sequel theme. Alright. And to, um, pick one that, um, Like I said, there are some sequels that I saw first. This one I saw first, and this is the one I've seen more times that I grew up with. And that is My Girl 2. Hmm, okay. Most people remember My Girl, you know, My the Girl. The first one. The first one, because it had Macaulay Culkin in it, and um, he was a big star at the time, and, you know, and it's a very sad movie. My Girl 2 is sad as well. But because it's, it's a really sequel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, My Girl 2 does have some sad moments, but it's actually much funnier. Um, so anyway, so My Girl... Um, I guess I'll give you a little background on My Girl. My Girl is a movie about this girl named Veda. Um, she's played by Anna Chulumsky. Anna Chulumsky stars on a show called Veep now, so if you've ever seen the show Veep, she plays... I don't know who she plays on there, but she's on there right now. Oh, wow, she's um, aged well. Yeah. Looking at this picture. Yeah. But when she was a kid, though, these, these were the movies she was, like, best known for were the My Girl movies. But um, she starred, um, she plays this little girl named Veda, whose mother passed away, like, shortly after she was born. And she has all, she's 11 years old, so she's so, and she has a very unique perspective regarding death because her father, who's played by Dan Aykroyd, is an undertaker. And he runs their business out of their home. Like, their house doubles the funeral home, and it's kind of creepy, actually. So she's 11 years old, and it's a very confusing time. And it takes place in the early 1970s. And it's, All right. It's sad. 
I won't give away the ending of the first one, but it is sad because there's a lot of stuff. All right. So, well, I won't give away part of the ending, I should say. So between the first one and the second one, her father gets remarried to Jamie Lee Curtis's character, mm-hmm. Shelly, who had come to do makeup for the um, funeral home or whatever. So she becomes, so she's her stepmother. So the first one, so the second one picks up a few years later. She's like um, a teenager and she's going through a lot of stuff and still changes and boys and that kind of thing. So, um, her, and, and the fact that her stepmother's pregnant, which is like, she's trying to process that because that's not something she's familiar with either. And that she has to deal with having younger siblings. So, she, um, so her father, her mother, um, she has to do an assignment for school about somebody she's never met. So she decides to do an assignment on her mother because she doesn't really, you know, she passed away a few days after she was born. So her father sends her to, um, well, she decides she's going to go to California for spring break. Because that's where her uncle, her uncle and um, his girlfriend and his girlfriend, they all live out in California. And that's where her mother grew up. So she's going to spend spring break in California looking at through her mother's old high school yearbooks and visiting people that her mother knew and that kind of thing. And it's, it's sort of a journey about her trying to find out more about her mother. And there's funny stuff in it, though, because she finds out her mother did crazy things as a teenager, and and she gets to meet uh, meet some of her mom's old classmates. One of them is actually played by Ben Stein, of all people, and mm. um, and uh, and then she, you know, sort of has sort of a romance with her uncle's girlfriend's son, which isn't they. They're close to being cousins, but they're not really, they're not really related. But um, he's played by Austin O'Brien, who I think was in one of the Terminator movies. Or, what's it, I want to say, hold on, (laughs) I have to look this up. Because I know he was in, um, he was, oh, nope, Last Action Hero, close enough. (laughs) Kind of, not really. Yeah, he was in the last action hero with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Um, so he, um, so, it, and there are, like I said, there are some sad moments because she, um, eventually she, you see a video with her mother on it and she kind of cries and that's, you know, there, there's some poignant moments, but it, it is still very funny and she's like, 13 and trying to just sort of discover things and and Dan Aykroyd is like the typical overprotective dad and like um so um so it's a really cute movie and I grew up watching that one and I think I saw the with Macaulay Culkin years later um but that was the really good movie so if you can ever track it down it's, um, I think it's on DVD too, so. I'm sure it is yeah good movie 
All right, so now we will go to our album of the month, and Danielle will start us off. Okay, um... Well, um, I've recently, um, this is actually a very recent album. Like, it just came out maybe last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not really nostalgic per se. Um, but, um, it, but the tone is nostalgic and it's, um, Bruno Mars 24K Matt, um, Hold on. Yeah, 24K Magic. Right. And I'm sure you've heard the song 24K Magic everywhere. It's been, you know... Um, if you haven't heard it, I'm sure if I played a little bit of it, you'd recognize it, but... Yeah. Um, but it's a very... Um, but the album has a very 90s R&B feel. And it's really... Um, they have... There's this one catchy song called, um, uh, That's What I Like, which I've been like, <laughs> which is one of the songs that causes me to bop my head really awkwardly. <laughs> um, there's a slow, um, couple of really good slow songs that kind of remind me of Boys to Men, like that whole early 90s R&B kind of feel. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, and um, I, I think Bruno Mars is just bringing back a lot of older music styles. Yeah. From um, like, and and I I really like it, and I hope he continues to do that. I I really enjoyed this album. I just happened to <laughs> right. find it. Um. Okay. For me, for this time around, um. I, un, until recently, I had not heard this album in a long time, um, many, many years. And when I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, this is a really good album. I remember, you know, listening to this album. Uh, the album is White Snake's uh, self-titled album from 1987. Um... This is their, like, if you want to go as far as mainstream, this is their big breakout, even though they've been a band for a while. Um, they, it's got nine tracks on it. Um, the, the two big songs from there are Here I Go Again and Is This Love, um, which I, I, I know we've talked about the second one before in a previous episode. Um, but there are also some other good songs on here. Still of the Night is such a good song. Uh, Crying in the Rain is a very good opening track. Bad Boys, um, Give Me All Your Love, it, it, that's sort of a fun song, um, you know, to, to just dance to. And it, it, it's very good. Uh, of course, here I go again. The it's the famous video with Tony Katane, and you know we all know where that goes from there. Um, but this was a very very successful album. This is their biggest album 
ever released, even even though, you know, they would have more, you know, albums before and then certainly after that would be released. But this is, like, this is their big one. This is the one that everyone knows. Um, and, you know, if, if, if you like either uh, Here I Go Again, which I'm sure everyone has heard, um... Or is this love? Then I'd recommend checking out the entire album because the entire album is pretty, pretty good. So um, check that out. All right, uh, that's gonna do it. Uh, let's do the plugs real quick. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Nostalgia Crew um, Fifteen. Almost forgot the name. Um, you could join our Facebook group, just type in Nostalgia Crew, and you are right there. We have lot of, lots of stuff put up there all the time. Um, you know, Nostalgic News, lists, uh, Captain Marvelous has posted episodes of his podcast, I'm Batman, up there. Um, so you could check that out. And also, I want to do this plug as well on here. Uh, check out my Patreon page, uh, patreon.com backslash bill's world of podcasts and you can find out how you can help donate to support not only this show but many other shows um next month i don't know what we're going to talk about right now uh, i think i think we're just going to get ourselves together uh get ready for fourth of july which i'm sure a lot of you will be doing shortly so, um, that's what we'll be doing. So, when we figure it out, which will probably be the next time you guys listen to us, you'll know. So, until then, uh, for Danielle, I'm Bill. You've been listening to Nostalgia Crew, and we will talk to you all next time.